Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. The following episode contains spoilers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. My name is Ben Gross. And my name is Rob McFarlane. And, uh, you know, this podcast is sort of a mental health check-in masquerading as content. Uh, so I want that it is. I want to know, before we get into what we're doing, how are you doing, Ben? I am fucking fantastic, mate. Oh, look at you. The, the sun's out. I'm sweating my little beak up tits off. Oh, no guns here, buddy. No guns. No guns. Nothing but strained toothpicks. <laughs> That's what's going up here. Like a marionette made of shoelaces and butter. I look like Abe from Abe's Odyssey with a shirt off. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Paul from the hit movie Paul. Yeah, but if Paul was six foot two and had let himself go recently, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's essentially it. So the yeah. sun's out. I got up super early. I went to a uh, a bank holiday car boot sale. Supposed to be massive, supposed to be super fun. Uh, there was about 20 people there selling literally nothing but haunted shit. So that was that was a no-go. Nice, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been hanging out with the pooch. Nice. Which was good. And I'm off to see Sisu. Oh, yeah. This evening. Cannot fucking wait, man. That's Nazis in Wild West, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's Wild West Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And a gold miner who used to be like a fucking tank. Or something. I don't know. I'll find out. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How are you, man? Uh, uh, Blue Monday. Is it a Monday? It's a Monday, isn't it? Fucking it is a hell. Monday. How, how does it feel to treat me like you do? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just burrito day. You know, like one of those days. I woke up early. There's loads I was supposed to do, but I didn't feel mm-hmm. like doing it. So YouTube gets opened. Oh, I click yeah. on a 45-minute review of a game that came out in the 90s that I've never played. <laughs> and I listen. If that's an Abe's Odyssey joke, I'm going to be very, very upset. <laughs> no, no, I played the shit out of Abe's Odyssey. I mean, admittedly, I played the shit out of the first four levels. I was fucking wank at that game. Yeah, same. But yeah, no, no, just like some MMO that's been, servers have been down for 20 years, and there's some guy oh, yeah. going... So, Front World was actually a universally accepted <laughs> thing. Blah, blah, blah. Going into the economy of some, and I'm just there, like, and now I can just fall in and out of sleep. Yeah. And if I wake up, there's something that means I don't have to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that is and then it was time. To, then it was time to do a, a podcast and and be you know animated and lovely. So it's good though because this one's also about you know mental health issues. So hooray! You know synchronicity. Also. These days are needed sometimes, man. And I know that, I just like, feel bad. I feel bad. You I know, know. Like, just fucking non-productive. Just a hundred percent, man. Like everyone gets gets to these points where your body just needs rest. Your brain just needs to be unstimulated for a bit. Yeah. And but the the only problem with giving it what it needs is you have this side character that is also you mm. going, yeah, mate. But you literally could have hoovered every square inch of the house. You could mm. have written a chapter of a book. You could yeah. have started working on that canoe. That I could have made following about. by Chris Nolan. You know, you I mean, could that's have made, made on no budget. <laughs> there you go. You could have done all that, but that's just your, that's just the the bad part of your broken brain going. Yeah. Hey, hey. I know you're getting the rest that you want, but uh, mm. did you think about this? <laughs> that's not a bad point. Let's move on. Let's move on. What are we doing today, Ben? 
We are doing our second installment in our Christopher Nolan series. Thank you again for bringing this to the table. Super fucking <laughs> fun movie. We're going to be covering Memento. Right, okay. Yeah. I I was expecting you to... We'll get into what I was expecting from you Good. because you've been vocally angry about this film in the past it's okay you know you have you have you've said some very bad things about this film. i have but I let's have. let's let's for the benefit of the people who've maybe not seen this film before life's all about context all right yeah 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 so, let's, give you, let's give you some yeah right let's let's go to our favorite source of synopses imdb yes. and let's flip that coin are we gonna get a blow-by-blow description of the last 15 minutes of the film, making watching the film completely useless, or are we going to get something so short it's almost useless? You ready? Can I Can I have a guess? Yeah. Can I make a prediction before we do it? Okay, yeah. Is it like, is it like two sentences that sums it up in the most basic way possible? Oh, God, I'm so excited. I'm afraid you're close, Ben, but oh. you weren't quite cynical. Strangely for you, yeah. you weren't cynical enough. It's one sentence. Oh, see? Memento. IMDb describes Memento as a man with short-term memory loss tracks down his wife's murderer. (laughs) (laughs) That's way worse than I thought it was going to be. I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. I mean, technically it's not right, but it's not wrong. Nope. <laughs> Fair play. All right, I've uh, I've written a little synopsis which sums up the movie to about an equal extent, but it made me it made me giggle. So, you know, come with me on a little journey. Oh, okay. I'm I'm ready for this. Yeah. What do you get when you throw a brain damaged widower on a mission to avenge his murdered wife? Mm. A snitching undercover cop with a penchant for utilizing recently brain damaged widowers as hired guns. And a mean, manipulative drug wife trinity into a head fucking not so classic who done it movie in reverse. That's right, a case for the infamous memory man and the snitch cop buddy <laughs> duo supreme bonding over their investigative prowess and their love of stolen jaguars. Jaguar, jaguars, jaguars, <laughs> jaguars. Fuck me, is that is that? Are you, does he drive a jaguar? No, he drives a jaguar. <laughs> Can I interest you in a lovely glass of bubbly mouet? <laughs> oh, mouet that and painting Chandon. is beautiful. Is it a mouet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, enough jokes about monet and mouet. Um, oh. So, sorry, that is on the money. You are Thank right. You. Um, this is a this is a difficult film to cover. For many reasons, yeah. The structure is we're going to get into the structure. A but fucking nightmare. I before we do, <laughs> I, I I feel like we've we've got a, we've we've got a check out there that's going to bounce if we don't talk about why you were suspicious of this film. Right. Life is about context, mm-hmm. and the context that I had around this film, yeah, in my life, was watching it in college for the first time with a bunch of pretentious mm-hmm. stoners who mm-hmm. were all just sitting around wanking off their own chins trying to right. fucking get some sort of i don't know i don't know what it was it was like a philosophical intellect point yeah but it was like philosophical cock swinging and it <laughs> you know when you're just sitting there and it's like watching i don't know 
it was what I imagine watching an episode of QI is like. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. <laughs> I never really watched never QI. Seen QI. Oh, right, okay, I, not QI, University Challenge. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I yeah, never yeah. watched that shit. It's just a bunch of nerds out nerding mm. each other, and I, I feel fucking so dumb because I don't even understand <laughs> half the fucking questions, let alone the answers. And I'm just sitting there like, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair so enough. it was that, um, and that's yep. that's the context in which I watched this film. Mm-hmm. And when that when you've got sort of like three or four people sitting around you going, "Oh God, yeah, it's so deep." Mm. Oh, but did you get that the movie was in reverse? It's like <laughs> fucking yes. It categorically <laughs> tells you. IMDb just tells you in one <laughs> sentence. Okay, yeah. So so I can see why your expectations going into this were were low. Oh, they were shite, man. And uh, do you do you think that react? Do you think that moment? Because this is arguably Nolan's first breakout hit, right? It was yeah. huge. He's he was widely acclaimed for it. I yeah. mean, this film uh, since its release has been selected to be in the National uh, U.S. Library of Congress to be culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. It's in the National Film Registry. Um, oh, that's really fucking cool. Yeah, like so. So this was a big touch point for Nolan. Every film that's come out since you would have sat down with those pretentious people. Mm-hmm. Do you think you were just sat there being like, "Fucking Nolan"? Yeah, yeah. Fucking Nolan and his fucking Kinda. films. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think your view of this film has kind of coloured your view of Nolan as a whole? I think those hipster bellends have coloured mm. Nolan for me as a whole. Like, right. so yeah, my yeah, experience yeah, yeah. watching this film with them, I just didn't want to do it again. And I thought, if that's the person that it attracts, I'm good. I'm yeah, going to well, surround myself with the people that I love, man. You know what I mean? I'm going to go watch all the B-movie, the cheap yeah, yeah. shit gore stuff. I want the goofy shit. That's where my peoples are. Fair. You know what I mean? And Nolan himself as a director doesn't help, because watching him in interview... <laughs> fuck me, mate. I love his films. But Nolan in interview is just comes across as the most privately educated artistic fart sniffer. Artistic. <laughs> the fucking yeah. He's on All the right. artistic spectrum. He's <laughs> definitely on the artistic spectrum. Fuck he me, be man. Described as a as a bit of an artist, mate. I I try, in the I way that to... you might describe champagne as muet or as a jaguar. He yeah. is an artist. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh wordplay i i don't remember a time before i mean i remember times before having seen this film but i mm-hmm. can't remember what i was gonna say first like <laughs> i remember i remember nothing than memento it'd be on brand now wouldn't it for the film <laughs> yeah that's, that's exactly what i was gonna say i was like that's the best marketing campaign yeah. that exists <laughs> incredible i must have watched this film when i was sort of 11 12 whatever how uh, why and- what sort of fucking 11-year-old watches this shit? Well, we watched films as a family. Remember the big old case of DVDs would come out? So my family would want to watch the film, and I'd have to watch it with them because that's what we would yeah, do while eating dinner. Like, that's where a lot of my movie, uh, a first movie came from. Were you going to say movie taste came from and then realised you'd also said dinner and that I was going to make a real shit, cheap joke about... No, but thanks for flagging it because I'll move on. Um, so <laughs> the way this film is structured... <laughs> is uh, there's two films you're watching, essentially, in parallel. There's one that's shot in black and white with with our main character, Leonard, mm-hmm. sat in a hotel room talking on the phone to we don't know who. Yeah. And then there are colour sequences, and what happens is you'll see a scene, yep. and the start and end of it will, will overlap with the next time you see it, and you'll realise that you're actually watching the scenes in reverse chronological order. 
So the start of Whoa, the first scene no is the way. end of the second scene. So the movie's actually in reverse? Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that relatively quickly, but the way the film is structured is that at the end of the film, the black and white scenes and the colour scenes merge. Yes. So let's let's number the black and white scenes. They go one, two, three, four. Yeah. And uh, the, the, if you did the alphabet backwards, Z, Y, X, those are the colour scenes. Yeah, yeah. And... What's incredible about the film is at the end of the film, as we see it, is actually the middle of the film because he takes a photograph and as the opening credits uh, are rolling, you see the photograph go from black and white to colour and that's the stitching point between the black and white narrative and the colour narrative. Yes. Um, it's, It's a very clever structure for a film. Yeah. Does make doing a podcast about it nearly fucking impossible. (laughs) <laughs> it makes it a fucking nightmare because essentially Leonard exists outside of time. Yes, he does. He can't remember no. longer than like 15, 20 minutes, mm. right? So therefore, yeah. there is no way of telling how much time has passed No, no between no, no, no. the flashback and what you're currently watching. And then when they or do merge, who. or who's who, or any of this, or whether this conversation is a good thing or a bad thing, whether this decision is a good thing or a bad thing. It's all just a fucking mess. Yeah. So it's hard to talk about that on an audio <laughs> platform without mm. showing you examples. But yeah. if you haven't seen this film, and we say this all the time, so I, say, I feel like we say through. it more often now. Now that we're covering better films and like we're, yeah. we're covering like touchstones of cinema, it's like we'd really hate for your first experience of this film to be these two motherfuckers right here, hundred <laughs> percent, to be me and Rob shitting all over it and going. <laughs> Lol, this was funny. <laughs> Remember this? No, neither does Leonard. <laughs> so go and watch it. Pause yeah. the show. Go and watch it. Make sure you've seen it before listening to this episode. Because yeah. then, it, not for you, for us. Because it makes it yeah. easier for us to talk about it because you all know what we're on about. So thank you in advance for your cooperation in this interactive <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so Leonard mm. is an unreliable narrator. We he can is. agree on that because of his, his short-term memory loss. And yes. he only remembers stuff before of the accident. Yeah, so he there was a break-in at his house. Yes. Uh, during which his wife was murdered and he sustained a head injury. And he's now on the hunt for his wife's killer. Only able being able to remember like 15 minutes or so at a time. If he gets a definite fact, he tattoos it on his body so that he can never forget it. Every time he looks in the mirror, he's reminded of this definite fact. And the film is him going around with his big old book of notes. He's He doesn't know it at the time, but he's wearing clothes and driving the car of a drug dealer that he's murdered, thinking that that was his wife's killer. Uh, and he was assisted Only in briefly. doing this. Yeah, briefly. Yeah. Uh, but he was <laughs> assisted in finding this. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, uh, he was helped in finding this guy by a cop or a snitch. We don't know because he doesn't know. Or the murderer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he be. meets Nat. He meets Natalie, uh, who's actually the murdered man's widow, the, the drug dealer that he killed. That's his widow. He doesn't know that. Nope. Uh, and she makes him believe that she's helping him when, in fact, she's trying to set up Teddy, the cop. Uh, and he, when he finally confronts Teddy, we find out that Leonard has already killed the man responsible for his wife's death. Uh, and the events of the film that we've seen are him being sort of manipulated by the two opposing forces of Teddy and Natalie. Um, but did he kill him, though? 
Well, we'll this is an interesting yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, an get, interesting into point, we'll get into that. Okay. It's, again, it's that unreliable narration. Is... Unreliable narration, right? It bleeds through to the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're denied the same information that Leonard mm. is denied. We're not fed anything that Leonard doesn't know. No. When Leonard meets or is interacting with literally anyone, <laughs> whether, yeah. we, whether we've seen them briefly before or not, yep. it's just constant questions of, do we know this person? Are we friends with this person? Yeah. Should we know this person? Can this person be trusted? He stays at a hotel, and the guy at the hotel is charging him for like six rooms. And oh, it's, yeah, Leonard, he charges yeah. him for two rooms, then he? And his manager's yeah, yeah. trying to get him to charge him for more. It's more than that, because the room number throughout the, the sequences oh, keeps changing. Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy just moves his stuff from and room to room. he just keeps room. telling him that it's two. But it's yeah. like, oh, it's my like, God. He's like, how many other people are staying at this hotel? Do we see any other guests at that no, hotel? There Do is we none. fuck? There is literally none. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a, it's an insanely paranoid movie. Yeah. And then with each flashback, like the black and white sequences, we're both granted a little bit more information to fill out how we think we got to our ending, yeah. which is the start of the movie. Yeah. But that information is also from or presented to our unreliable narrator who is constantly being manipulated by everyone. Mm-hmm. And he's the most untrustworthy source of information <laughs> for this film. Yeah. Leonard is the worst possible choice to go, yeah, yeah that's probably right. Yeah, yeah, awful. Yeah. But then that makes everything so fucking questionable, and it yeah. brings out these huge trust issues that you thought that you'd healed from. <laughs> but no, this film is just sort of like, hey, you remember that one time you were manipulated? What about if it's been going on forever? <laughs> <laughs> this is literally your idea of a horror movie, right? This is my idea of Dale Winton holding my hand in public. This is how <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. It's a reoccurring nightmare that I had when I was a child. Yeah. You can relate as well because Leonard's broken as well, right? Yeah, Leonard's broken brain. I'm broken brain. So, Mint. Can we, can we call him broken? Is it, is it that not offensive to say bro? He won't remember it. He'll, he'll nah. be offended for 15 minutes 15 and then we'll, we're minutes. in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just reintroduce ourselves again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. My name is Ben Groves. Yeah, no, Ben, we've, we've done that. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to reintroduce it for Leonard so that now he's oh. not offended anymore. You know what I mean? I figured it's been about 15 minutes, so yeah, yeah, you need okay, to let him knows. know where he is and what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting... There's, there's also this story of Sammy, right? Oh. And Sammy is the only reference that our main character, Leonard, has. Leonard used to be an investigator for an insurance company. And one of the cases he had to investigate was a man called Sammy who had a condition mm-hmm. that Leonard now has. He didn't know this at the time. It's some, he calls it like a cosmic joke that, you know, he denied this guy's insurance. Yeah. Um, and basically his job was to determine whether or not Sammy, the man who had uh, amnesia or anterograde re- amnesia, um, was faking it. And he puts him through all sorts of tests and eventually makes a decision that, that he's faking it. Now, Sammy's wife can't deal with this, and she she still loves the guy, and so eventually she ends up sort of testing him Mm. by getting Sammy to administer insulin shot after insulin shot for her diabetes, and she dies. Yeah, so so Sammy can remember everything before the accident. Mm -hmm. Everything before the accident, everything... Much like Leonard can, yeah. Yeah, much like Leonard can. Their long-term memories unaffected up until the point of their accident. 
And then yeah. once the accident happens, they're no longer able to commit short-term memory to long-term. So they learn yeah. nothing new. Well, they can for mm-hmm. a very, very brief period of time. Yeah, so yeah. the way that, that Sammy's wife gets Sammy to give her shot after shot after shot mm-hmm. is by... Winding his watch back. 15 Sammy. minutes. Sammy, yeah. it's time for my insulin shot. And because this was a, a routine before of his accident, he remembers it perfectly. So we'll administer the shot and he feels like he's yeah. done a good thing. It's a nice thing that he's done. And he sits back down. Yeah. The memory then sort of resets. He can't commit yeah. it to long term. As far as he's concerned, he's just been sitting in the chair doing nothing. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. She, she does it again. And so she does it again. Because she wants to know, okay, if this guy's faking it, if my yeah. husband is truly lying to me, Mm-hmm. And he's not the man I love. Then he will stop. Yeah, he won't kill me. Yeah, and she's wrong. And because Leonard, the guy investigating as the insurance company, is wrong. He is real. He has got genuine memory mm-hmm. loss. Just he doesn't believe it. And then, as as he says, a sick cosmic joke later, he then ends up afflicted with the very same condition. It's fucking heartbreaking, man. There's a moment that's yeah in that uh, that whole storyline. And they're talking about recognition mm. and um, how people with memory issues will almost fake yeah. recognizing you if they feel they should recognize yeah. you in order to get like... They bluff it. Yeah, they bluff it because it, it's a good feeling to have mm. someone validate you yeah. by going, well done, that was really good. Mm-hmm. You've recognized, yep. you've done what you were supposed to do. And that's a good mm-hmm. feeling rather than have someone huffing and puffing and being like, for fuck's sake, man, why don't you remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That is heartbreaking to think about. So the black and white sequences mainly are are him talking about um, uh, the, the 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 Sammy story. Yeah, on the phone to this person, we don't know who he's on the phone to, but he's giving us the Sammy story and the story of how we got to him having an accident. So essentially, the black and white sequences are objective information given to us about Leonard. So we're we're watching Leonard. It's not. It's not being given to oh, us that's, that's by a Leonard. Good point. Because we don't know who's on the phone. We're not inside mm. Leonard's head. We're not a part of Leonard's journey. There. We're just spectating him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the color sequences are Leonard's perspective. It's subjective information ah. that's presented to us by Leonard, which is why the color sequence is in reverse and the black and white sequence is forward. Do you know what's mental? Is I like subconsciously got that. Yeah, but yeah. I hadn't realized it was that tidy. Like when you put it like that, yeah, yeah the, the the black and white are objective about Leonard. Yes. And the color is subject. Oh, Nolan. How beautiful is that though? Nolan is like Christopher fucking Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nailed it, man. So color sequences are backwards as Leonard's working his way back through events to try and decipher mm-hmm. who did what, to whom, and when, but also he is desperately trying to hunt down the murderer of his wife. The black and white sequences are forwards, filling in gaps for us as Leonard mm-hmm. has new information given to him. But it's also that we can see this information about him from an unbiased viewpoint. So yeah. you, you're, the Sammy story yeah, is yeah. a perfect example. Uh, like We're watching this, this story unfold, like who is on the phone? Mm-hmm. Is Sammy real? Is that a corrupted memory of Leonard and his wife, you know, et cetera, and so right. on? Right. So, so, so with that, with that point, mm-hmm. at the end of the film, when he confronts at the end of the presentation of the film, not at the end of the narrative, because again, it goes back on itself. Yeah, yeah. Teddy, who has been manipulating him, oh yeah, wildly, 
says to him, actually, Sammy was never real. That's your story. Yeah. It was your wife you killed. Mm-hmm. And you've created this false memory mm-hmm. to make yourself the saint. You've chosen to reframe that. Yeah. Now, my question for you is, do you believe Teddy on that? I don't. I can't. You can't. There's no way that you can. Right. I don't think we have enough information either way, but I think it's interesting. There's not. I think it's really interesting that a lot of this film deals with conditioning. 100%. We don't have any means. We, we know as much as Leonard. And all exactly. Leonard knows is that he has a photo of Teddy, and on the mm-hmm. bottom is written, don't believe his lies. Yes. That's all we know about Teddy, too. We keep seeing that. Yeah. And so we don't believe Teddy when he says, Leonard... There was no Sammy who killed his wife that you investigated. That was your wife, this, that, and the other, right? Yeah. Thing is, when they do the shot at the end of the Sammy story, and you see Sammy sat in a mental hospital. Did you see the flash? The single flash flash. of Leonard sat in that chair. Yeah. Now, again, we don't have enough information, but I think it's interesting that I I choose to not believe Teddy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I've been conditioned not to by the film, by the little flashes yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I've yeah. got as much to go on as Leonard does. Do you want to know my dilemma with that exact scenario? <laughs> right. At that point in the film, the merging of objectives and subjective yeah. is now yeah. so blurred <laughs> yeah, that yeah. previous sequences that have been in black mm-hmm. and white presented as objective information are now shown yeah. to you in colour. Yeah. So that's subjective from Leonard's point of view. <laughs> and stuff that's from Leonard's point of view mm-hmm. that was in colour is now shown to you in black and white. And you're thinking, so I can't trust either fucking view. <laughs> no. I can't trust <laughs> I can't no. trust the filmmaker to tell me <laughs> because the narrator I can't trust. And yeah. now I've got this Teddy who I've been mm-hmm. conditioned to not trust telling me something different, which has changed previous stuff that I've trusted yep. in this film. It's just <laughs> yeah. it's just a fucking nightmare. This whole How thing, good. right? How good is Joe Pantoliano as uh, as Teddy? Unbelievable. He's unfucking believable in this film. And my favorite thing is is that Nolan was never going to cast him. It was Carrie Ann Moss who was mates got on with him so well during the making of The Matrix that we yeah. covered recently that she yeah. recommended him. And Nolan saw him in the film and was like, "Fuck me, Cipher, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The yeah, cunt yeah, was yeah. like, put me back in the Matrix." Yeah, that yeah. has been bothering me for literally like two days, man. It has been on the tip of my tongue. And I'm uh-huh. like, I know this guy from like mm-hmm. a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Probably should have remembered Cypher from the series, <laughs> the very recent series that we've just fucking finished. Yeah. Jesus yeah, yeah, Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah so she, with working with him on The Matrix, she recommended him for the role and Nolan was really unsure. And once yeah. the film came out, he was like, "He's I can't imagine anyone else inflict it like doing the right balance of being super menacing whilst mm. actually doing nothing menacing on screen. The, his entire screen time yeah. is super friendly and it's yeah, so yeah, menacing. I mean, well, to be fair though, the end, the very beginning of the movie, which is Teddy's ending, yeah. um, him, him being shot in the face, come down to the basement. I'll show you who you are. I'll show you yeah, who you are. Yeah, yeah. And then that's, that's the bit that I think causes Leonard to shoot him in the face. Because he's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see what you've got for me in the basement. Even though what is in the basement mm-hmm. is Leonard's doing. <laughs> he just right, doesn't so, fucking remember it. So here's the thing. He does show him. Who, he, if he's in the basement, he does show him who he is. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you why now, but 
but it comes com- comes into my my big point about this film. Got you. Okay. Um, do you think Leonard is a superhero? <laughs> you know, superhero movies are, are, are big nowadays, sure. and I would make the argument: Wolverine, right? Okay. Any physical trauma, any physical trauma whatsoever. He went yeah. through a lot of physical trauma. He yeah. went through so much physical trauma that now no new physical trauma sticks. Oh, I see where this <laughs> is, is going. Is Leonard not a mental health Wolverine? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you couldn't do anything. To, you couldn't do anything to this guy and have it form new trauma. I've been, I've been trying to think. Is it really a superpower? <laughs> but then I'm also thinking that the Flash is about to come out and Ezra Miller has literally committed every crime under the sun and everyone yeah. is still like, yay, the Flash! <laughs> yay! <laughs> everyone rush and spend your money on this movie that's full uh-huh. of this fucking mentalist. <laughs> so you remember there was a couple episodes ago I talked about uh, you could do a remake of The Predator, mm. right? And just cast Ezra Miller. Just cast Ezra Miller yeah. and have all the victims be like... Well, his crimes are his crimes are invisible, <laughs> like <laughs> because this man it's has committed so bad. How it's is so no? Bad. How is this film still coming out? How are they still making the Flash? Like, I get it, right? I I get it. Huge amounts of money have gone into it, and it looks mm-hmm. it looks incredible. The only problem is, is yep. that you have a literal, literal criminal <laughs> yeah. running around on screen with with Batman, who is arguably like. Michael Keaton's Batman, by the mm, way. Yeah. That's a childhood memory for so many people. Yeah. And rumours of fuck? Nicolas Cage playing Superman. I'm, mm. From Superman Lives, the Kevin Smith yeah, written, yeah, yeah. never never, yeah. never brought out. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of an odd time to have Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> In that aspect of DC really, really steering into the, mm. yeah, well, yes, the Flash is a fucking criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that yeah, Leonard is a superhero because he's just <laughs> a fucking, he's just a wild criminal with no memory of any of his crimes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's kind he of is, the perfect criminal. He's the perfect criminal, exactly. Yeah. But that that inability to pick up trauma mm. comes in handy because oh, hundred percent. Can we tell the listeners about the pen scene? This scene is so upsetting for a multiple a multitude of reasons, mm-hmm. but the main one being is that I was really rooting for Carrie-Anne Moss in this film. And at this moment, I was like, oh no, she's an awful person. <laughs> yeah, so so we, because we, we're seeing this backwards, the first scene we're presented with is Leonard really needs to find a pen. We can't remember why, mm. because we've not seen why yet. But the door opens, it's Carrie-Anne Moss, and she's had the shit kicked out of her. And he's like, oh my God, what happened? She's like, oh, it was it was Dodd. He's a problem, he's a problem. I need you to, to sort him out for me. And he's like, right, okay, right. She gets him to write down all the information and sort all this stuff out. And then we another little black and white sequence. And then it cuts again to the same living room. Mm-hmm. And she then basically lays out exactly how she's going to manipulate him into fucking up Dodd, how he's a freak. Basically drives him to the point of hitting her. And then she goes, right, and now I'm going to go outside. I'm going to wait for a couple of minutes. I'm going to slam the car. And we've seen all this. We know that this is. Ex- we already know that this plan has worked, mm-hmm. but she explains to him in cold hard fact exactly how she's going to use him, and then leaves the room, and Leonard starts looking for a pen. 
he's desperately trying to commit this to memory. He's desperately yeah. like, I need to remember that that person mm-hmm. is going to fuck me over. I need to yeah. remember that Natalie is not out to help me out of pity. Mm-hmm. She's out for revenge. She's yeah. just much better at it than me <laughs> because she can remember me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But it's I think crazy. I think that is uh, that's the big gut punch of the movie. The bit where you really realize that he is he is very thoroughly disabled you know and i think i think without that it doesn't work as a film because because then he's just daredevil you know (laughs) he's just he's just a person lacking a fundamental part of the human experience who's somehow more capable and you're like okay this man's a superhero no he's not no you know he 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 is so incredibly vulnerable and i think in that way this is a sort of iteration of following the film that we covered two weeks back. Okay. That sense of there's somebody who is a very vulnerable person yeah. who is then tangled up in a web of untrustworthy people yeah. because they're unwilling to recognize their own vulnerability. If any one of them had been self-aware enough to go, I am too vulnerable for the world and I'm, I'm, I'm a mark waiting to happen, then none of these events would happen. That's actually fucking genius. I didn't even think of that. They're blind to their vulnerability, and then other people use it as a hook to pull them any fucking which way they want them to go. It's so fucked up, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's so unbelievably fucked up. It's, it's, the, it's the use... Of, well, it's presented as the use of a disabled person, but then it comes back to that thing I was saying with um, Teddy saying, oh, come into the basement and I'll show you exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. Because who Leonard really is at the heart of this film is a killer. Because at the very end of the film, he falls out with Teddy. He realizes that Teddy has used him to kill a drug dealer and steal that drug dealer's money. And Jaguar. And Jaguar. Because Teddy has already helped him find the guy that killed his wife. Well, Teddy says he has. Teddy says he has. Mm. And it didn't stick. He didn't remember. And he's still on that journey. And then what we see Leonard do, and this is, I think, the the big reveal of the film, is Leonard knowingly writes Teddy's number plate mm. in the big blank spot that says the killer's number plate is. And we realize that Leonard is choosing to continue. Yep. He's not on a quest for vengeance. He's not no. on a quest for justice. He's got the justice. He just needs a purpose. I'm so fucking happy you brought us here because this mm-hmm. is this is my big point of the film, right? Right, okay. Who am I? Ben Groves. Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast! My name is Ben Groves! <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we've done that bit, Ben. I'm just making sure Leonard knows where we are right, and cool, what we're doing. Cool. Yeah, Welcome yeah, back, course. Leonard. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 like an ident- it's an identity crisis. Who am I? Yeah, uh, he was defined by his career as an investigator for a long time and lives with the consequences of decisions made there. So much yeah, so yeah. that he tells the story of Sammy to fucking everyone. He has a reminder tattooed on his hand of the Sammy story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even after developing his condition, which is mm. you know almost justice, yeah, totally poetic loveliness. Mm-hmm. That he develops the exact same one as the guy that he fucked over. Yeah. Which resulted in Sammy's wife's death. You know what or, I mean? Or maybe maybe they're the same. We don't know. But yeah, it's that identity mm. of he was an investigator, right? So yeah. now he's going to continue investigating. 
And it's it's it, the bit you just mentioned about Teddy, where he realizes that he's he's finished his investigation. Mm. He knows what it is. So, yeah. and then Teddy's like, "You're the one that's redacting the police file. You're the one that's taking <laughs> yeah. pages out." It gives you a reason to keep investigating your wife's murder. To be you've already solved, yeah. You just make it harder for yourself next time round, and it's like it's 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 a justification for who you are. You're defining yourself in this way. Well, I suppose if he's not if he's not a husband on a revenge quest to investigate, then he's just a disabled widower, right? Yeah, he's de- he's defined by his condition, which means every single move he, he makes is now a fucking enormous gamble on whether it's a good or bad decision. But what I've just realised as you're saying this, yeah. Mr. Fucking Nolan. Bow, bow, bow. Leonard always refers to it as his condition. Mm-hmm. And the film is about mental conditioning. Mm-hmm. And that tightness in the writing where Leonard is fighting against... He's not fighting against his condition. He's fighting against his conditioning. Exactly. He's been conditioned to be an investigator. Exactly. His problem isn't his mental issue. His problem is the way he fights against that. Yeah, because it, it defines him as a fundamental person. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's almost like a rebellion against it. So for you, this film is identity, right? For me, ultimately, Leonard's defined as the widower on a vengeance mission to find the guy who raped and murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. Everything is so fragile and delicately put together, both for and by Leonard, mm-hmm. that every single aspect of his life is called into question when Teddy spills three or four sentences. It's a matter of yeah. seconds that everything crumbles. Everything yeah. is completely gone. So I think that leaves us with questions mm. about ourselves just as much about Leonard. So are we who we think we are? Are we defined yeah. by our actions? Are we defined by our memories? Can we trust our memories? Can we trust those around us to be truthful even when it doesn't benefit them? See, Do we use our memories to justify the way that we live now? And it's it's this whole thing that comes into, into question. It just hits real fucking deep, man. It is. So oh, I love that you've gone identity because if you'd had the same thing as me, well, I wouldn't have had a rebuttal. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think it is that. <laughs> I think it is that. You're not wrong. It, it is that. But when I was watching this, I was going... If you're going to make a film about a guy who's got a memory condition, yeah, uh, such as this, and you're going to make it an investigative, you know, who done it, this sort of stuff, yeah. Why the dead wife? Why the why the this? Why the that? And I was I was looking at various points in this film where he mentions his wife and he has the memory of her, and I was put in mind of uh, Nick Cave, the musician. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan, and uh, about five or six years ago, his son. Uh, died in a horrible accident and Nick Cave had to keep halfway through an album and he made a documentary about the process of trying to do something with grief uh, and he, he described it as a rubber band and he said you know you, you spend days and days and days like you've got this big rubber band around you and every time you try and move forward you've got this rubber band making it more difficult and the further forward you move the harder it is but you slowly make progress yeah. And then one day you wake up and you're right back where you started. The rubber band, you you know, you lost concentration for a second. And all progress you've made is is reset. <sighs> and that's painfully accurate. For me, right. For me this film is is a sort of a fantastical and imaginative reframing of grief. Okay. That Leonard can't move beyond that point in time. 
because the, the grief of his wife, you know, he's grieving his wife. And yeah. what what's relatable about the film, totally, none of us have that memory condition. None of us are investigating a, a, a murder. Some of the listeners might do, but you won't remember it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, we might do, but we don't remember and it. And my name's Rob McFarlane. <laughs> Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast! <laughs> but I do think um, what is eminently relatable in this film is that snapping back that when someone when you lose somebody that you're as close to as Leonard was to his wife, you don't move forward. And Leonard choosing Teddy at the end is the grief of having lost his wife is all that Leonard has of his wife now. If he stops investigating that murder, then he has to start the process of moving on from that murder. Yeah. And moving on from his wife. And being a disabled widower who doesn't Fuck. have a wife. Whereas if he's still actively investigating her murder, then there is something of her in his life. That's fucking... That's pretty gnarly, man. When you lose somebody, yeah, it's impossible to move for more than 15 minutes without them coming back into your mind and you being Jesus right back where you were Christ. when you lost them. Press the fucking Nolan! <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking incredible, man. There is one minute flash in the film of mm. uh, Leonard and Natalie cuddling in bed. Yeah. And he has an extra tattoo on his chest that says, I've done it. Yeah. And it's only there for a split second and then it disappears, mm. but it's presented in color. Yeah. So it's Leonard's perspective. So I don't know whether that's what Leonard's aiming for or whether that actually happens. Well, it's his. It's it's that momentary flash of hope for a life beyond this, because mm. even he, you know, it's it's that there's that really sad thing where he hires he hires sex workers to fall for him to fall asleep, oh. and he puts his wife's things around the house and then gets them to slam the bathroom door so that for just three or four three or four seconds he can feel like his wife is alive and just gone to the bathroom. Because the bed's warm enough when he rolls over. Because the over. bed's warm enough when he rolls over oh, that it's like she might God. be in there. And that, for me, is that, that grief motif. The the, the grimotif. Um, the, gr- of the grotif. The grief motif. The grotif. Uh, that, 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 that keeps bringing up. Those sort of flashes of... And again, disordered time. Like mm. you said, Leonard exists outside of time. Yeah. That's, it's fucking... That's crazy, man. That's an awesome point, though. <laughs> Nice. Is this like the first week where we've both been on the same, yeah, yeah, the same yeah, tracks, yeah. we're just with slightly different thinking about it? On that note, I want you. I'm gonna the, this week's game. Mm-hmm. I want you to find the worst possible application for Leonard as a worker or person about the world. Oh, what, what's like, the last thing you? What's the la- The game this week is what's the last thing you would ask Leonard to do? <laughs> Besides administer oh. insulin. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, fuck <laughs> yeah. that. Um, okay. I think the worst thing mm-hmm. that Leonard could have possibly done mm-hmm. is bef- like the day before his accident, mm-hmm. borrowed a tenner off someone. <laughs> because then for the rest of time, Leonard is a literal human ATM machine. Every it's just 15 a free minutes, cash point, yeah. Just, that's it, every 15 <laughs> Oh, mate, do you remember I, I lent you that tenner before? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, shit, sorry, mate, there you go. Yeah, nice. 20 minutes later, 
Boys, it's my round. Oh, Leonard, um, mm. you owe me that tenner that I lent you? Before? Oh, yeah, yeah, shit, mate. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> okay, see, mine would be, and I can speak from personal experience here. Yeah. I would not ask Leonard to do a mm-hmm. podcast about the film Memento. <laughs> That's pretty fucking good, man. That's a good one. I can't imagine Leonard in the cinema coming out of yeah. that going... But being able to understand what the fuck had just happened. <laughs> I think he'd remember the last 15 minutes and he'd be sort of yeah. like, so I did it then, right? And we're like, we don't <laughs> fucking know. You tell us, buddy. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Is there a mirror? Maybe I can uh, check my tattoos. <laughs> what are you rating it? Uh, I am going to rate this. This is a rough one. Mm. Because I think I went... hated this film. I did. I went into this with a rating in mind and being sort of like... <laughs> oh. And then it's kind of... I've watched it twice and it's, yeah, it's kind of blown my tits off both times. Um, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Whoa. Because I had a lot of fun with it. Right, yeah. Like, a lot of fun with it just because of how fucking brutal it is. And... <laughs> From, it's like a cynic's wet dream as well. It's a cynic's yeah, wet dream. You must have loved this. Honestly, mate, it's just it reiterates everything that I live my life by. And I'm, I'm just going to go into my therapist's office and be sort of like, watch Memento, and I <laughs> fucking told you. Bye! <laughs> and then that's going to be my next session. Done. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's your £90. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> love you. Um, it was a lot of fun. You watch this film through once... And you're like, mm-hmm. wow, that's really that's really impressive filmmaking. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive storytelling. And you watch it through the second time, and you're like, that is desperately sad. Yeah. And it is horrendously brutal. Mm-hmm. And it is just a fucking continuous pummeling yeah. of every human emotion on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. It's just everything. Yeah. There's something there for everyone. But fuck mm-hmm. me, is it bleak? Yeah, it and is. And it bleak. also makes me think that has Christopher Nolan ever done anything for like make a wish foundation because i don't think he's he's too good at writing vulnerable characters i don't <laughs> think he needs to be around more inspiration just putting that one out there <laughs> uh, what are you rating it uh for, this is a strong one for i mean for my kind of filmmaking for the kind of films that i enjoy mm. heavy rewatchability clever points oh this is like your wet dream isn't it? this is pretty good for me this is a yeah. fat 10 this is a fat oh, 10 nice and nice. I, like I wouldn't have brought this series if if a large majority of the films weren't going to be fat tens. Okay. Not all of them in, in Nolan's filmography are. Yeah. This one definitely is. Okay, definitely, definitely. Fucking is. awesome, man! I appreciate you bringing this to the table. Ah, oh, should we do comment corner? Yeah, let's get a couple of the comments on the go, man. So JRTV on TikTok replied to our Christopher Nolan. Did you know about the way that he made following? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no budget, very limited equipment, very limited time. JRTV on TikTok says, you do what you need to do with what you have. It's problem solving. Life demanded ingenuity. To which I replied, I said, I mean, my life is currently demanding I eat oven pizza. So <laughs> uh, I think we can safely assume I'm not going to make a film this good anytime soon. <laughs> and then the absolute legend comes back with nothing is impossible. You could probably do stuff while stuffing your face with pizza. You underestimate yourself. That's fair, man. That's a fucking... That's an inspirational post right there. Yeah. That's a... Let's put that above a cat hanging on a fucking clothesline, man. <laughs> Stick it up there. I'd, it was too inspirational, so I had to reply with, Oh, no, sir. My pizza time is precious, holy even, and desperately private. Yeah, that is also <laughs> motivational poster worthy. <laughs> All right, that's a pretty strong one. I think those are really strong ones, to be fair, bud. Yeah. I've got one here from the 80s horror lover. 
Oh, yeah. He says, need to sound clip, Christopher fucking Nolan. Oh, yeah, let's do it now. Ready? Three, two, one. Christopher fucking Nolan. Bow, bow, bow. Beautiful. We can mix some up for that there. There you go, buddy. <laughs> on, our, on our very recent, seeing as this was uh, today when we were mm-hmm. recording this, uh, talk about the Evil Dead Rise intro. Mm. Uh, J.A. Embers said, I think it would have been better at the end of the movie to have Evil Dead Rise come up above the thing yeah. to um, hype even more for new movies. Yeah, that would have been great, man. It would have been great, but also it was fucking perfect where it was. Yeah, banging. I think it would have been great anywhere, to be honest. It was fucking beautiful. Guys, that's all the time we've got for this week. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We love each and every one of you. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review. Tell your buds about it and help us grow using your mouth like podcast herpes. Oh, my God. Spread, uh, I mean, spread the sores. When you said you'd sorted out the calls to actions, <laughs> that particular bit hadn't like clicked in my brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we are we are very 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 active on social media and would love Much to know like what herpes. you. Oh, actually, that's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we'd love to know what you thought about Memento in the comments or on Discord, uh, where we regularly. To be fair, every time I get involved in Discord, the conversation goes left field very quickly. Last time it was about me and a listener strapping razor blades to the end of our genitals and having a jousting match. So um, yeah, what was the prize for that one, Rob? Because this is uh, where every conversation you have on Discord, I end up getting pimped out. <laughs> so go on, tell us what the prize was. Uh, the prize was was Ben's time. So yeah, uh, by all means, if you if you'd like a little private time with Ben, uh, join our Discord, and uh, I can sort that out for you. And in the Lovely. meantime, consume. Oh, I decided what we're doing next week. By the way, so you've brought Christopher Nolan to the table. So I've gone back into my vaults and I've gone what culturally resounding series can I bring to the table you know it's not just you that looks all sort of like big and well and you know all educated and shit I want to stroke my little chin beard for a little bit so I was thinking oh that's good I had loads in the tank today Jesus yeah man fuck I didn't prep that much I only prepped a little bit I was like yeah he's running a little thin recently and it's a sad day it'll probably be 30 seconds (laughs) 